Lord, we are so grateful for this day that we have this week. We could be a grateful nation. I'm thankful that we can come to you as a thankful people. And I ask that as this word is brought forth this morning, you would take our minds, think through them. Take my lips, speak through them. Take our wills and bend them to yours. And take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, if you, you weren't here for the welcome, this is our Thanksgiving Sunday here at Christ Church where we, you, you know, we, don't, we can't get everybody together on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So it just kind of made sense, being the Lord's Day on Sunday, that we, we just take the whole week and dedicate it to be a grateful people. And so the lectionary texts for Thanksgiving has us focus on this fascinating part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. And throughout Matthew's Gospel, Jesus has been teaching not only the crowds, but his followers, that reality is that Christianity begins with a God, not, not with a God, with rules that we follow, and so by following them, we're in right standing with him. Rather, reality is that it all begins with God who saves. And then he gives guidelines to those who are saved. In other words, Christianity begins not with a teacher of morality, but a Savior who saves sinners. So in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5-7, through 7, Jesus is providing guidelines for those who would call themselves Christians. And for those who would claim to be our followers. And in our Thanksgiving passage, we see guidelines not merely about changing our behavior. Not merely a particular element of our lifestyle, such as don't kill, don't cheat, don't steal, all the bad stuff. But in this particular passage, we see clearly that underneath true change, underneath all true change, is a change of heart. So I invite you to open up with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. If you're visiting with us, you can find it in the back of your bulletin. Because underneath any modification of ethical practice is a change of heart in the words, do not be anxious or do not worry. This is in the context right before the discussion on money. Last week was Stewardship Sunday. I could have very easily used this text, you know. Where Jesus says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. And what Jesus is saying in that whole passage is, don't let your God be your treasure and money. And so then he turns to, therefore, don't be anxious. Now, I don't know about you. I don't think it's possible to live five seconds without being anxious, <laughs> right? We live in the suburbs, man, right? There's, there's so many things that we tend to be anxious about. If you lived here for a week, it's a reality. We're anxious about our health. We're anxious about our 401ks and our finances and paying the college bills. We're anxious about relationship concerns. We're anxious about... Uh, the political climate, the national and the international concerns. For our students, they're uh, anxious about their academics and their grades, their relationships. 
Where am I going to get into school? And so on and so forth. We're anxious about our future. We want to know what the future holds. To know the unknowable. I'm anxious about my leaves. They keep falling. <laughs> I just raked them on Friday. Can't tell. And this takes, a stra- this takes a toll on us. It takes a toll on us physically. There's whole medical industries that come out of anxiety for stress reduction. I mean, massage envy has cropped up all over the place. It used to be professional athletes and dancers and rich people got massages, but now it's just plain Joe stiffs, right? Because to release the stress of life. It's a good thing, but, you know, we do this more. We also stress about, are we progressing in our career? Are we kind of climbing this? Am I, am I moving up on the corporate ladder, the social status? We all have a desire to do better than the year before, and all you got to do is pay attention to social media, all you got to do is watch HDTV with, with Chip and JoJo and their new granite remodeled countertops, <laughs> right? And all of a sudden, you find yourself being roped into it. Oh, isn't that awesome? And you're anxious about it, and you have angst, and you're just alive. That's all. You're finding yourself this way. I heard uh, that anxiety is is that irrational fear of the future of something that's totally undefined with the Jaws theme playing in your head persistently. Shut up! Right? The beautiful thing is God acknowledges that we're anxious people. Jesus comes and says three times in this passage, Verse 25, verse 31, verse 34. He addresses it and he says, don't be anxious. Because we see in this passage, anxiety anxiety really is about us having control, power, and knowledge of our future that we were never meant to have. And we want it the way we want it. And we're all guilty at times of it. But what Jesus is saying in this passage is for the mature Christian, if you would call yourself a Christian, it's unacceptable. And we ought not to be part of it. It ought not to characterize our lives. Well, the natural question that I brought to the text, and I'm sure you do, well, why not? It's kind of natural for us, right? Well, Jesus explains three points about why it ought not to characterize our lives. Number one it's not helpful. Number two, it's unnecessary. And three, for the Christian, it's so beneath you. All right? It's not helpful. It's not necessary. And it's so beneath you. And then he gives us a plan. He doesn't leave us without a plan here. All right? So let's look at this together. And I didn't do these in any particular order because I'm getting big. I got a wedding next weekend. So, you know, this is kind of jumbled (laughs) no I'm not I'm happy all right all right first of all it's not helpful verse 27 all right if you flip your Bibles uh, verse 27 says uh, excuse me and which of you 
by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. That's the first thing. It's not helpful. It's not going to add a single day or an hour to our lives, Jesus is saying. And there's a whole industry that's come out of this, right? We got to get more sleep. We got to eat right. We have to exercise. We got to do all these things. Eat vegan for crying out loud. And the reality is, ultimately, we think that by doing so, it's going to add years to our life. And it, it probably will, but is that what you're hoping for? I know a lot of people who eat and exercise, and they're filled with great anxiety. All right? It's kind of like Jesus is saying, it's too far and acceptable a sin. You know, People say to me, you know, I'm just a worrier, Gene. And from this time forward, I'm going to say, why are you such a worrier? Don't you know there's nothing acceptable to Jesus about it? it, it it's it's kind of like smoking, smoking cigarettes. You know, you can't smoke in restaurants anymore in our culture. You know, you can't go in there. They don't, add, they don't say smoking or non-smoking anymore. Right? We syntax it. It's bad for you. And Doug O'Donnell in his Matthew commentary says that worry in the Christian's life is like secondhand smoke in the nostrils of Jesus. He outlaws it, he bans it, and we not, ought not to be anxious about the future and about our present situations, whatever we're going through. Why? Because it's not going to add an hour to your life. As a matter of fact, it may reduce it a few hours. Okay? That's the first point. Secondly, it's so unnecessary. Looking at verse 26, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, but gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? Skipping down to verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O little of faith? Skipping down to verse 34. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So we tend to be anxious about provision, food, paying our bills, and the ramifications of all these things for tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Right? That's knowing the unknowable. And Jesus says, don't be. It's so unnecessary. Look at the birds. Now, now thanks to my friend John Ryan... I've become, I've become a bird guy. You know, all summer long, I try to get the baseball birds. You know, Cardinals, Orioles, and Blue Jays. That's all I want. No Orioles yet. John just says, keep doing it. They'll come. I'm like, okay. You know, the Blue Jays looked at my peanuts. I had one Blue Jay show up. He spit it out and said, this sucks, and he left. Never to come back. But my cardinals and all these other variety of these little itty-bitty birds that I don't know what they are, but they're quite cute and pretty. 
They keep coming back. But I learned something that John taught me. If you don't put bird seed in the bird feeder, they don't come. <laughs> and I forgot last week. I just got busy, you know. And I said, oh, crud. So last Monday morning, I filled up my bird feeders. And I kept watching every morning to see if any birds were there. And there was nothing. But Wednesday morning, I do a draft of this sermon on Wednesdays to the Wednesday small group. So I invite you to come if you want, because the first draft is never as good as the last. And they tell me what's wrong with it, and then I fix it for you. All right? And I go up early in the morning on Wednesday morning, and I look out my back window, and Mama Cardinal has returned. And so Ben noticed it on my phone. I have a bird app. I've become a geek, just like John and Laurel. All right? And I opened up the window real softly, and I played the Cardinal Cheap. And she talked back to me. I go, yes. I still got it. And it's like the Holy Spirit just spoke to my spirit. I did not hear an audible voice, but I was preparing this text. And it's as if the Lord were saying to me, Gene, let the cardinals preach to you. They will be cared for by their Heavenly Father. You will be cared for by your Heavenly Father, Gene. Tell God's people at Christ Church, God will care for you like he does the cardinals, but it's really helpful if you feed them. <laughs> you lame duck. <laughs> so let the lilies preach to you. Let the church's faithfulness throughout the ages preach to you that he will take care of you and Christ Church and the church and your family in the future. You can't know the future. You can't know the unknowable. Let the church preach to you. You might say, as I know some of you are probably thinking, well, Gene, that's easy for you. You're a minister. You, know, you've, you have a job. Your job's not in jeopardy. We pay you. Um, and you're paid well. And I am. Um, now that I think about it, Gene, you got a pretty cushy job. What do you do all week? <laughs> What do you know about hardship? Quite a bit, actually. Kim and I had it all laid out. She was at the University of Maryland. We decided to move home to Charlie and Carol's house where we would take on less student debt so that when she got a teaching job, we'd save her salary. We'd live for five years off my salary, bank her payroll so that when we began to have kids when we were about 28, 29, 30, you know, we would be able to be fine. We could keep her home with the kids. That was our plan. But you know what? Along came Becca. <laughs> Funny things happen, don't they? And I've been working ever since. And I'm not going to lie. It, it was hard getting up at 4.45 in the morning, driving an hour and 15 minutes one way, teaching, coaching, and high school kids are not appreciative of what you do for them. <laughs> Working baseball clinics in the winter, all day Saturday. Working baseball clinics all summer, no vacation. All right? <laughs> What's a vacation? Just so we can keep them raising my kids, keep Kimmy at home, because it was worth it. I didn't have to have the latest fashions. I didn't have to have what the world says. We were just going to give their kids their mama. 
And it was hard. It was exhausting. And it was stressful. But I learned this passage at that point. Lord, give me my daily bread as we pray every week. And he does. Just like he does for the cardinals. Just like he does for the lilies. And just like he will do for your tomorrow. Lord, provide for my family. He does. And you know, Jesus lived this principle. They said, Lord, we want to follow you. You know, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. (laughs) Jesus lived this. So he knows what we're going through. And he cares about what you're going through. But my friends, it's so unnecessary. And last... It's so beneath you as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's so unworthy of a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is the most important reason. If you go back to verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What will you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, if I asked you that, there's not one person here that would not agree with that statement of Jesus. Is not life more? We would say, oh yeah, life is more than just clothing and food and all the things. But how many of us live that way? How many people that you know out in the streets live that way, think that way, and live into that reality? We don't live that answer. Look at the magazine racks at Barnes & Noble. You know, and when you go into Barnes & Noble, buy something, because I want to keep the bookstores open, you know. Just buy the cheap little paperbacks, you know, at least buy something. But you go in there, it's beautiful magazine racks, and what's it filled with? Anxiety about food, drink, clothing, the future. And look at the ads in those magazines. You look at them, I could use those shoes. I could lose the, use those pair of jeans. I, I, could, I could use those granite countertops and appliances. And so on. Life is more than that. Do you believe that? If you don't, you probably don't get what Jesus meant by more. Okay? And that's the segue to the answer. Verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We just sang it. Do we believe it? Seek first a relationship with the living God. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord? He loves you. He cares for you. He knows what you're going through. And you don't have to do the moral standards live up to him? You just need to trust in him. And then the behavior follows. What are you trusting for your salvation? If you're trusting anything else than the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross, you're going to be filled with anxiety. No, we trust in that atoning work on the cross first. And then that's seeking first his kingdom. And then we're given his righteousness. We're clothed in it. And we walk in that. And that's, the great thing is, we're we're sanctified by the great. It means we're set apart. Our whole lives. And you just keep coming and learning and growing. And all of a sudden, you know, 80 years later, you're like, oh, yeah. 
It's a journey. That's what it means. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and he'll take care of the rest. Give it back to him. Why? Because on the cross, Jesus gave up all his power, all his control, all his authority. And even though he was God himself, he allowed himself to be crucified in our place. He allowed himself to be stripped of his power and of his royal robe. Not just to be a model for us as the world thinks, but rather to be our savior. He utterly gave up all his control that was already his. And he was abandoned by God so that you and I can give up our need and our hunger for control. And give up our, our quest to know the unknowable. So that we can know the Heavenly Father who is in control of it all. And he's better at it than each and every one of us are. The one who cares for the cardinals. Cares for the lilies. To the extent we give up our need for control, we will discover our Heavenly Father in a relationship with Him who has all the control. When you understand that, you give anxiety a great blow. And the benefits are threefold. You see, three great benefits. Number one, it, it reprioritizes your life. Two, it reorganizes your work and three, you relinquish your throne. All right? Reorient your priorities. When you recognize that you're seeking first his kingdom, you're content with the present. You're letting go of that control. And if food and drink and clothing in the future are all your entirety of your life, they'll be here today and gone tomorrow, and your life will be filled with great anxiety. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness which is an absolute gift to you. It's free. You receive it as a gift. And it's unfailing. It's unending. It's utterly reliable. Secondly, it reorganizes your work. And students, this is for you as well. Because your work is your studies. The way you approach them. You know, uh, it, it, it helps you reorganize your work because you're living in his kingdom. And the kingdom is not some ethereal place out there with angels and diapers flying, playing harps. It's a real kingdom with real flesh, with real people that Christians are part of so that we, like our Lord, can be a blessing to our neighbors where we live, work, and play. And it reshapes the way you approach your work. Your just ordinary, sometimes boring life becomes kingdom living. And in the muck and the stuff of life, you shine because you're the one in the office that's not fretting over everything all of a sudden. You're the one in the classroom that doesn't get worried about all the stuff that all the other students are getting worried about. Why? Because you're in the kingdom. You know who's in control. And you can go forth just like our Lord to be a blessing to them so that they can flourish in the kingdom as well. But, you know, if, you're, if your life is all about getting food, drink, clothing in the future, if your retirement years are all about food, drink, clothing in, you know, in the future, uh, that's a recipe for anxiety. On the other hand, if you seek first his kingdom, working to build his kingdom by doing excellent work, being a blessing to people where you live, work, and play, 
Oh, that's, that's building something that will never pass away. And don't think this is for guys who are dressed goofy like me, all right? It's not just for ministers, it's for all of us. Last week, we talked about the priesthood of all believers. You go places that I would, could never go. Your coworkers would laugh me out of the hall. But you can go there. My job is to equip and to shepherd and come alongside. I'll be there in your hospital. If I can't get there, Bob will be there. One of us will be there. As a matter of fact, some of your friends will also be there too, because we all do it, right? That's what the church is. But we do that so that we can be a blessing to others, so that they can flourish. And your work will be filled with great joy. And you won't be anxious about what everybody else is. Finally, a great benefit is getting down off and relinquishing your throne, and you're no longer king or queen. All right? Because when you strive for control, you're always frustrated, pushing up against things that are absolutely beyond your control. Beyond our knowledge. But when we trust in Jesus Christ, you're a deposed king or queen. You know, isn't it interesting that Jesus says that Gentiles run after these things? You know, that's in today's language. He's saying the unbeliever is going after these things, not my people. My people go after the kingdom and his righteousness. Philip Melanchthon was the colleague of Luther who did so much great work with Luther. We're still celebrating the Reformation all year long. It's just great. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, through the word of God alone, for the glory of God alone, right? Okay? That's what we're about. Melanchthon helped coin that phrase. And there was a point in their ministry, Philip was really anxious. I mean, if you knew you could possibly die a death by burning at the stick, you might be anxious too. But Luther being Luther just was this mighty figure of confidence in the Lord and if I die, I die type of person. He was amazing. But Philip was greatly filled with fear about what was going on in Germany at the time, whether the gospel would go to the whole country because he had a great love for his country. And, and, and Luther looked at Philip and said, Oh, let Philip cease to rule the world. <laughs> Anxiety is when you and I try to rule the world, our world. Jesus Christ gave up his control on the cross and died so you could give up control and live. He lost his heavenly father so you could gain the heavenly father as your own. So stop trying to rule the world. Stop trying to control the future. There's a heavenly father who's far more qualified at it than you are. So who's your God? Going back to verse 19, is it your money you trust in? Therefore, do not be anxious. No matter how little you have there, he'll provide. Where's your treasure? What do you think about all day? And let's seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Let him have control. And if we get this, It'll be the best Thanksgiving we have ever had. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. 
Lord, we're grateful for this day, and we're grateful that we can be a people that isn't anxious, that have great peace and joy even when the valleys of life come upon us. And Lord, help us to remember that. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon each and every one of us. And if there be any among us who do not know you, do not follow you. Lord, may we turn our lives over to you this morning. May we trust you once and for all for what you've done for us, for we are sinners. We need a Savior. And we give you our lives to do with as you wish. And Lord, as we follow you, may we know you, grow in you, and shine your light and be that blessing so that others may flourish in it like we do. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.